Hi there and welcome to Magic Time. It's our post-game edition, or our game recap edition, I guess you could say, for February 10th, Moncton Magic versus the St. John Riptide. Magic Time brought to you by our good friends at St. Louis Bar and Grill, with locations in Moncton and Yep. Check them out at Facebook, uh, St. Louis Bar and Grill NB. Pleased to be joined by my broadcast partner on Moncton Magic Home Games. This is David Tingley. How are you doing, Dave? Good, Scott. How are you doing today? I'm doing exceptionally well. It was uh, a good day to travel, beautiful day to hit the highway, to drive from uh, Truro to Moncton and then back after the game. And it was made even better by an excellent outing by the Moncton Magic uh, at the Avenir Center this afternoon and a fantastic crowd to boot. I haven't heard official numbers yet, but certainly at least visually look to be close to perhaps setting a franchise record for the Moncton Magic in terms of attendance. Yeah, it looked like it was a pretty big, uh, a pretty big crowd, and they were uh, loud at the start, and then had a little ebb there in the middle that we'll talk about reasons why, and then got pretty super loud at the end for the kitchen party. They did get their duds in order toward the end. It was a 111-76 win for the Moncton Magic over the St. John Riptide. Uh, Moncton led from the outset; they were wire to wire. Although the St. John Riptide, as they've been known to do against Moncton, uh, gave the Magic uh, a little headache here and there. Uh, but overall, uh, your takeaways from this 111-76 win? Well, my, the, the primary takeaway for me is the, the player of the game and the new arrival uh, because of what that means for what Trey Kell, the new arrival that I mentioned, would, would mean for the one problem spot in that lineup, which has been... Since I was going to say day one, not since day one, but since game approximately 10, when all the upheaval started happening with the point guard spot, they've been up and down there. And Gentry Thomas has done his best um, to fill in start spot starts and, and big minutes off the bench at the point. But, you know, he struggled at times and he's still a rookie and he's still learning the spot. And, and uh, that's going to happen with rookies. So they, they haven't had, a, 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 a true stabilizing presence at the point guard spot. They've been mixing and matching with and having uh, Corey Allman play point. So um, Trey Kell is, is a rookie as well, but he is a true point and he looks really comfortable out there today. So my takeaway is, um, you know, a guy that uh, hopefully they found a, a stabilizing piece kind of at the point guard for, for the rest of the season, but we'll see. I mean, he, he fit, he fit in awfully well today. Well, I think you use the key word comfortable. You know, you never know what to expect with a player playing their first game with a team. I mean, you know, in basketball, you got to learn the offense. You got to learn rotations. You got to learn where your teammates are going to be. But that was what caught my eye was very early on. He just seemed very comfortable. He did not look out of place at all. He had a quiet confidence about him. And uh, his ability to be a facilitator and distribute the basketball uh, was impressive as well, Dave. Uh, maybe just a couple of comments on uh, on his ability to be able to move the ball and to find guys. Yeah, well, he's got he got kind of that touch. A couple of passes, you you watch him going. Oh, is that going to get there? And it was just it, he just has this little. The, you can tell his feel for the game is really strong. With when you throw a guy in a point guard and in a mix of of uh, of guys that have been playing together for a while, and he's the new one. You're gonna be off base with with your teammates a little bit. And there was a couple turnovers that he had, but those passes, like the the lob he made there in, in the second half to Freddie McSwain, and that pick and roll 
soft over the top uh, layoff that he made to Joel and Dondo in the fourth quarter. And like little stuff like that comes to mind where point guards want to, they want to get that ball there quick and they can um, put a little too much mustard on it. It'll be a little too fancy. And he just did the safe play most of the time had really nice touch, really nice feel. And it was, uh, yeah, it was, he was great to watch that, uh, the whole, the whole four quarters. Now, just to go back a couple of days, uh, fans, I'm sure will remember what happened at Harbor station in St. John, the Moncton magic had a pretty comfortable lead, uh, going into the second half, but things definitely turned around and went the other way in terms of the Moncton magic success as St. John really poured it on in the second half and got a victory at home at Harbor station. Uh, what did you see as the biggest differences with the Moncton magic tonight? Other than the fact, of course, that they were playing on their home court rather than down in St. John. Oh, well, the, it was, it was on the defensive end. I mean, even uh, coach Leonard told, told us before the game, I mean, they didn't deserve the 20 point lead they had at halftime uh, during the week in that, in that, that weeknight game. And it was because mostly he was unhappy with their defense. And you'd think, they held him to 27 points in the first half down there. Um, but he said, you know, it was, and, and it was, and it looked that way too. They, they just missed everything they looked at and they were getting a lot of shots that they wanted. And then when the couple of shots started falling in the second half and they got a little confidence, then that, you know, that lack of, uh, they, you know, they didn't start out the game in that mindset um, early. They weren't able to switch it on and overcome that run. Well, today they seem to be really locked in defensively right from, get-go and um there were points at which they could have folded a little bit in the second half and that that oh no here we go again feeling could have set in and it didn't they didn't allow it and uh just defensively they were much much better and you know once you get some stops the same thing happened today that happened in st john down there once you get some stops and get it going get a little confidence flowing then the ball seems to go in a little better at the other end too so that's what happened uh and of course you know we'll get to Corey allman but you know the, the time that he was on the floor those threes obviously we're falling from everywhere. Yeah, and I'll give you four numbers, 20, 17, 21, and 18. Those are the point totals by quarter for the St. John Riptide in quarters one through four. So to your point about defense, the Moncton Magic certainly turned up the intensity defensively today. They came in as the number two team in the league defensively in terms of point allowed points allowed per game. But I think that uh, this performance today might nudge them over the top. What did you see, though, Dave, as a couple of keys? I mean, we know that this Moncton team has hung their hat on defense all year. But what did you see as a couple of real differences to put them over the top in terms of their defensive intensity today? Well, I think they were they were much smarter. Like St. John shot 7 for 36 from 3, and some of those were wide-open misses. But by and large, I think if you go back and look at it, and, I, and we'll do that, though, a lot of them were forced uh, misses with hands in the face, um, you know, or, or, or the guys that they had taking them, they were rotating really strongly to the, to the solid three point shooters. And then they had to give it up to a guy who's less capable in that area. I mean, um, we saw Oh, for eight from, uh, uh, the new guy, John Harris, who has a pretty good stroke. That's probably not indicative of, of how he's going to be the entire year, but, uh, you know, a lot of offers from uh, Bryce Washington stepped out there and took a couple and that's not really his game. And, uh, um, Jalen Penny had a couple, like there were some names of guys like, well, this guy probably is, that's probably not his game taking three. So they a kind of a good defense is making the team take the shots you want them to take. And that's what Moncton wants to do. And they were really solid on that today. Shut down the penetration a lot as well. When guys did get to the basket, they had some really solid 
rotating guys over to bother them. Um, guys like, I mean, Nick Evans was really, really good today defensively, but not just him, guys like um, uh, Freddie McSwain and Marcus Lewis and Kaliste and, and McCullough, when guys like that are rotating over um, and, and getting their hands up, it really, and that's the second defender in, so you got shooting over two guys, that's, that's a really tough thing to do. And Moncton does a really good job of that, rotating over with guys with length um, to really bother uh, shots in the lane, not just at the three-point line. And you mentioned Corey Almond. Uh, we'll talk about the starters for the Moncton Magic. Uh, four of the five Magic starters, Corey Almond, Wayne McCullough, Billy White, and Nick Evans, all scored in double digits. They had a couple of guys off the bench in double digits as well. Trey Kell, Trey Kell that we talked about, he was the player of the game. He had 17. Uh, Freddie McSwain Jr. with 10. And Corey Almond ended up with a game-high 24 and that was on 8 of 10 from outside the three-point arc. But, Dave, we've talked about it a couple of times in terms of uh, the situation with Corey Allman. What the situation was, if fans didn't see the game or they weren't aware, early on in the third quarter, there was a bit of a situation where he and uh, Jeremiah Morty were kind of having a little bit of jawing, and there was some talking going on on the court. And it didn't seem to be anything over-the-top or crazy, Next thing we know, double technicals are being handed out like birthday cake at a 10-year-old's party. And <laughs> Corey Almond is out of the game with his 24 points. Jeremiah Morty, who to that point hadn't scored any points, was out of the game. And that could have been a major turning point going against the Moncton Magic, but it wasn't. First of all, let's go back and talk about what you saw from where we were in terms of what happened with Corey. Well, Corey... <laughs> When you're lighted up like Corey is, you, the temptation is to do some some talking. And there's a lot of chit-chat that goes on on the floor uh, in this league, and, and guys love chirping at each other. And most of it is, is good-natured. And I think um, for a while there, maybe it was, but as Corey kept making them over Morty, he kept kind of telling them more and more about it. And I think um, what happened was he got, he got a little bit of a warning, I think, before that 8-3 went in. And then after the 8-3 went in, it was inc- it was really incessant back and forth between him and Morty. And Morty was given as good as he got. And he got they both got warning, warning. I think it was four warnings that they got before the first technical. And then after that, it looked to me like, it sounds to me like, at least in, in talking with uh, some other people that were near the, the floor after the game, that it was actually uh, another referee that came in and gave the second set of technicals while the first referee was uh, was uh, t- discussing things with the bench because they kept going and they wouldn't stop and they got another warning. So um, the, the takeaway for me from that is we're talking a couple, with a couple of the assistants after the game was they really felt that Corey needs to have the attitude of, look, you've been there before. You, you, you rain threes on a regular basis in this league. Act like you've been there. You don't need to do that much chirping, especially – they feel like if you know, not that Jeremiah Morty's not a very good player, he is. But if you're gonna do some chirping, like you know, save it for a, a time and a place where it's gonna be it's gonna be um, more healthy. Maybe this is a it was a it was a it was a, they were starting to run away with it a little bit. They felt like they had some momentum. Uh, why are you going off in that situation on that guy? And so there'll be some talk. And uh, Corey, a bit of a frustrated week, a tough week. And St. John, he comes back here and he's having a great game and he gets tossed. So. They'll have some introspection to do. Uh, I think the the this uh, this next couple of days before Tuesday night's game with the with the edge. Yeah, well, they're going to need Corey, and he really is the general of this team on and off the floor. 
And uh, yes, players want to win, but I don't know anybody that wants to win more than Corey. And I thought, for my money anyway, a key few moments after the Corey Almond ejection, because he had been so hot from outside hitting those threes, was that a pretty, de- pretty dependable three-point shooter himself and Jason Caliste came in and actually knocked down a couple of threes himself, which kind of helped settle, I thought, the team down, and then maybe also gave the riptide a thought of, well, okay, Corey's out of the game, but we still got this guy out there that can hit the three, so really nothing has changed that much. But maybe just a couple of words about what Jason did coming in and, and kind of having a couple of those clutch threes not long after Corey was out of the game. Yeah, and he did a good job handling the ball a little bit for them, too. I mean, Jay ended with uh, five boards and three assists along with the, the seven points on, on those couple threes and a free throw, a technical free throw that he made. But, um, yeah, he's just got that – he's just that pro, just one of those pros in the team himself. Joel Andando is another guy that we'll talk about probably a little bit who uh, only played 11 minutes, but were they ever 11 key minutes. But um, Jay just – yeah, he made those threes that settled people down. And then – they kind of had a couple ebbs and flows. They had that that moment where oh, and it was and we talked about it live in the air too. The the, the crowd kind of deflated when when Corey got tossed because they were oh they were they were swelling up with him. He's made eight. How many can he make? And they get kicked out, and that kind of brings you down a little bit. And then Jay knocked in two back to back, and it brought them back up again. They had a little ebb again after that uh, when the when the, the 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 scoring well kind of dried up. But then this five man unit of and I'm not sure exactly what the unit, they, they changed a little bit, but it was largely Marcus Lewis and Dondo, uh, Freddie McSwain Jr., Trey Kell, and then someone else, Kaleist, or maybe Nick Evans came in a little bit, or a bigger guy, but they had that, that was kind of the group that brought them back. They they got stops and pushed the ball and played in transition, and Freddie McSwain got a couple of hoops in transition. Marcus Lewis did, and they really, that was the turning point, kind of Jason kind of, calm things down then they had another little slump and then that unit kind of pushed it through to the finish and pushed that lead out big and uh yeah they were really good an announced crowd of just shy of 2000 a wonderful crowd on hand at the avenir center this afternoon so that was great to see hopefully we'll see that kind of crowd out again uh, on tuesday night against the st john's edge and you know this moncton magic team they out rebounded overall uh the St. John Riptide by 21, 59, 38. But something else that really caught my eye, you know, we talked about the passing ability of Kel, but there were a lot of key, key uh, facilitators today on this Moncton Magic team in terms of being able to move that ball and move it quickly, especially really good, long, almost full court passes, springing guys for fast break chances and, and pretty easy opportunities. 28 assists for the Moncton Magic today. Uh, maybe just a word or two, Dave, about what you saw in terms of uh, almost all the guys on the Magic dropping dimes today. Yeah, I mean, 28 is a solid number uh, for that crew. They, uh, yeah, and going back to, to what you said about the starting lineup there a little bit, four guys in double figures. The fifth guy was Gentry Thomas, who ended with eight boards and eight assists. So, you know, they call that a good floor game kind of thing. That's a, a basketball term. So when you're when you're playing a good floor game, and he... Turned the ball over a couple times, and that's what he's working on. But, yeah, he, he rebounded the ball uh, and, and, and dished it out. And he did it did it kind of smartly. And I liked – we talked about it in the air, too. He, he, he has this confidence about himself where he'll turn the ball over a few times, but then he'll just keep going back at it. He went back at it and, and set up uh, and set up a couple guys dropping some dimes. But you're right. The, the biggest one was they, they got that ball in tradition and pushed the, pushed the ball really well. 
And when you push the ball amongst this group of athletes that they have, and athletes is a key term. I mean, Wayne McCullough, uh, Freddie McSwain, Trey, Trey Kalnow, Marcus Lewis, Khalees, these guys are athletes. And when you get them uh, the ball in, in advantageous positions, two-on-ones in the open floor, that's going to be that's going to be a good recipe, and 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 smart players will make smart decisions, and they they made smart decisions in those in the situations, and and set their te- teammates up well for uh, for easy finishes. And for the Moncton Magic, uh, when you shoot almost fifty percent from the floor, they were forty three of 44 percent. I don't know you're going to lose many games uh, when you're shooting almost fifty percent from the floor. And on the defensive side that we've referenced a couple of times, uh, for me anyway, I thought that Marcus Lewis had his best complete game from a defensive standpoint. He had really quick hands. He forced a lot of turnovers. He was in there digging for loose balls. Uh, what did you like about Marcus's defensive game? Well, exactly that. He doesn't give an inch on the defensive end as Marcus. His hands are super active, um, and he's a, he's, a, he's a very good help defender, but uh, yeah, he's he's super on um, on turning defense into offense, and then uh, being a finisher on that end as well. So yeah, Marcus was terrific today. We had, like you said, six guys in double figures, and he was the next guy at nine. And um, when you can be as efficient as that, you know, he had three steals, four assists, a couple of boards, uh, made four of his six shots, and his only free throw. Like you can't ask anything more out of a out of a bench guy. Um, than that, and he, 27 minutes, and was was uh, really really good in every one of them. And it's interesting. We go back to Trey Kell, uh, a San Diego State guy, uh, as is his now teammate Billy White. Of course, Billy would have graduated uh, quite a few years ahead of Trey, as Trey Kell uh, recently just graduated from San Diego State. But how much can that help a young guy like Trey Kell? Uh, to come into a team and to be able to make that connection with a veteran like Billy White. They can maybe sit around, talk about San Diego State, talk about the alma mater. How much do you think a little thing like that might be able to help a guy like Trey Kell kind of, you know, fit in with the group overall? Yeah, it can't, it can't help but. I mean, I, I, don't, I hope fans go and take a look at our post-game interview that we had with him on, on social media. It's, um, it's clear how we talk about how relaxed he is on the floor and how, how calm and, and together he looked. He's just as calm and together off the floor. He was, uh, uh, his, his answers were, were really, were, were really thoughtful. And he, and he, you could tell he was um, happy to be in the, in the, with the team. But I mean, a guy like him, it doesn't seem like he needs much um, to make himself relax. He seems like a really together guy, but listen, he's a rookie. Uh, first, first year as a pro basketball player came, came back from Bosnia to Moncton to play after a career out on the West coast and in, um, in uh, the United States. So, you know, he's been all over the place and you can't help, but have a, a stabilizing influence to have a guy like, like Billy White around who uh, didn't play together at San Diego state. Billy's uh, you know, an older guy, but um, yeah, I don't think Trey needs much help from the, from the looks of things, but I'm sure he'll take all he can get. And a guy that uh, we haven't talked about yet, but I know, He's one of your faves. You are the president of his fan club, Denzel Taylor. But I know he had that situation where he had that ankle uh, injury that he was dealing with. And maybe it's just me, nothing that the team has told us, nothing that's official, but just watching, I don't know that Denzel Taylor is back to being 100% healthy and comfortable. He just doesn't seem to be playing Denzel-type minutes. But as you are the president of his fan club and his biggest uh, (laughs) supporter – 
maybe just what you've seen from Denzel right now. Well, I think what they're what they're hoping for. I don't know. I don't know if it is his ankle still. Really, he's not been as productive at the offensive end as they need him to be. He needs to be able to to catch the ball and finish down there. And when he's been set up uh, down there to score, he hasn't been finishing. Now that might be a hundred percent. Might be to do with the ankle. And if it is, uh, then you know we'll we'll see him get improve and get back to moving. Uh, a little bit better, but he just maybe he, he he's not looking explosive because of that. But um, I think he's got to be a little bit. He's got to take it upon himself to be a little bit of a uh, of a finisher down there. He's explosive and athletic enough to be that way. I don't know if he's fully confident in his in his finishing, and maybe that's got to do with sitting out some time with that ankle and not feeling back up to speed yet. So that's you're absolutely right. That is a storyline i was looking at that myself and him only having 11 minutes today um that's not you're right denzel minutes um his 11 minutes were not nearly as productive as joel and dondo's 11 minutes so yeah i mean denzel's a, a, a young guy who's really good and you know you're going to see better than he we saw today against st john and you mentioned joel and dondo and you're right when you teased it earlier we are going to talk about him but <laughs> A lot of minutes, but my goodness, I made the comment on the broadcast that if you looked up the NBLC dictionary for quality minutes, you would probably see a picture of Joel and Dondo right now. You know, four points, six rebounds, and a real energy guy. Uh, how big has this pickup been for the Moncton Magic when they got Joel and Dondo on this roster? You can't say enough about him, and the, and the coaching cast staff can't say enough about him. They love the guy. He's a he's just a good guy. Um, a really nice guy who has that tough mentality when he goes out there on the floor. So great combination there. And, and like and you, what you said and what we said live in the air about him, uh, you know, coming in halfway through the third quarter, I've never ha- didn't see the floor until halfway through that third quarter. And then just played 11 terrific minutes uh, of the last 18, where he uh, grabbed six boards and, and, and gave you four points and played terrific defensively. I, there was one, uh, early in the fourth quarter, um, uh, St. John possession, where he got himself all the way up to the five feet above the three-point line, um, covering the uh, covering. I believe it was Bartley off the screen and roll, getting out there and jumping that, and then got back to the lane in time to bother the shot that came out of that pick and roll and to secure the rebound and get and get fouled. I mean, he's when you got a guy that's willing to do all of that stuff defensively and still give you good work on the offensive end. I mean, what can you ask out of a, you know, third or fourth big guy? So it was the victory for the Moncton Magic tonight, and they actually now pull even more ahead of the St. John's Edge in the standings in terms of wins and losses. We talked about it on the broadcast, how Moncton and St. John's both only had eight losses. St. John's had played two fewer games. So by mere percentage points, the Moncton Magic were in first place. But... With the Magic win today and St. John's taking the loss versus Halifax, now uh, Moncton is one up in the loss column as well. And that's the next opponent for the Moncton Magic, the St. John's Edge. Tuesday night at the Avenir Center, of course, we will see big baby Glenn Davis, uh, former Boston Celtic and an NBA champ. But we're also going to see a familiar face for Moncton Magic fans, Isaiah Tate, uh, who you know, just through circumstance, was released by the Moncton Magic a couple of weeks ago, but he has signed with the St. John's Edge, so he'll be back in the building on Tuesday night. Uh, what do you look for in that Edge Magic matchup Tuesday? 
Uh, look, they, they, the edge have made a lot of moves. Um, but one move recently kind of not backfired on them. They just, it, it's kind of the kind of thing we have that happens in NBL Canada, uh, from time to time. We've talked about it. It's a kind of a, uh, in and out league a little bit, but they made a trade. They sent Maurice Jones senior, uh, to the Island for Russell bird, who then Russell bird has not, has gone somewhere else to play. So they basically got rid of Maurice Jones senior for nothing in return. And frankly, they're a little bit light at that spot. Isaiah Tate today. Yeah, he is in that lineup, but he, he only played 11 minutes. Um, they got Jaron Skeet, but he's a guy that doesn't regularly play a ton of minutes. So it's junior Cadogan and Diego Kaplan. And then it's a little bit thin right now while they're at least working guys in or, or we're looking to make moves. So, They've um, uh, and and Carl English didn't play today, so who knows what that means for uh, for Tuesday night? So uh, and he's been in another in another lineup while he's you know uh, uh, limiting his minutes, I, I guess during the during the regular season. But we'll see what he what he brings into on uh, Tuesday. But um, yeah, front at the, in the front line and in the wings, they're loaded. But after Junior Cadogan and Diego Kaplan at the one and two. You know, what do they have right now? They're kind of in a similar position to Moncton, uh, working on building up that, that one spot. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. That's a storyline to look at for Tuesday night for sure. And final thing we'll kind of leave on here, this Moncton Magic squad, you know, on the broadcast, anyone watching has heard us talk about, you know, all the different uh, lineups that they've had to deal with, player movement, which is kind of part of the NBLC overall. But certainly Moncton has had to deal with their fair share. And through everything that we've talked about, through all of the things that we've pointed out with this team, through that tough stretch around uh, New Year's and the first week or so up through Ontario, through all of it, Dave, they are still 17-8, and eight, the best record in the NBLC, and still one of the top defensive teams in the league. What does that say overall about this organization, and in particular, uh, head coach Joe Salerno and his coaching staff? Yeah, and, and and Coach Salerno really leans on on the rest of that coaching staff, and and we get to talk to them on a regular basis, and they know their stuff. And he's uh, brought in Elvin Mims this year to pair with the the guys they already had, and 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 uh, they're terrific, and they do good work for him, and and he applies um, what they do really well. And I talked to uh, Matt Robertson, and well, believe we won't, we won't leave out Todd McKillop and Mitch Rowley. Then we'll get all the guys mentioned. But I talked to. Um, uh, Mr. Robertson after the game and he was saying we we're talking about that point guard spot and he was saying it's not like our system uh, doesn't rely on the point guard or anything very sarcastically he meant it that that's the if they were going to have one spot to have this sort of turnover in their system that they run that's the hardest spot to to kind of um, have this kind of turnover take place so what they've done to kind of patch that spot together and keep things humming along fairly regularly here um, as it, you know, they've played 500 balls since that hot start, and that's not where they want to be. But considering the swing that they went through out, you're right out out in the in Ontario, and the tough times they've had with with roster turnover at and with bad timing on the roster turnover at times too, including you know this past week with Duke Monday leaving and then immediately having to play a game. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty commendable that they're that they're almost 10 games above 500, and and really. Um, we should feel pretty confident with these next two games coming up, given the play of Trey Kell and, and uh, putting him in there and getting him uh, the minutes that they got him today. So yeah, just really good stuff from the, from the coaching staff and, and um, they should be 
uh, proud of themselves for keeping this this boat steady along with uh, along with the players that have been here since the start of the training camp. Well, that will be the only game on NBLC Live on Tuesday night. So uh, we will be the only game in town, literally, Dave, on Tuesday night, St. John's Edge and the Moncton Magic, 7 o'clock at the Avenue Center, also on NBLC Live. And then Thursday, I'm looking forward to it, Dave. You're going to be my date for Valentine's Day. It's, we are uh, just breaking. We are breaking female hearts all over the place. We, sorry, ladies, we are not available on 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 uh, Valentine's Day. We're just not. I'm sorry. I I have a sneaking suspicion that we may end up on the kiss cam on uh, Valentine's night for the <laughs> Cape Breton Highlanders and the Moncton Magic. So that'll be another fun one. Always great when Cape Breton comes to town. But again, first things first. Tuesday night at the Avenir Center. It's the St. John's Edge and the Moncton Magic. We will be there. You can watch it on NBLC Live. But if you're in the greater Moncton area and even close by to make the trip, come on out and take in the game. Almost 2,000 fans there today. The atmosphere was electric as the Moncton Magic defeated the St. John Riptide 111.76. Dave, thanks again for hanging out and spending a little time on Magic Time, buddy. As always, brother. All right, that is my broadcast partner on Moncton Magic Live Games, Dave Tingley. Always great to have him along for our post-game or our uh, after-game wrap-up, as it were. I'm Scott Squires. Thanks very much for listening, my friends. Again, Moncton defeating St. John, 111-76. We'll do it all again Tuesday night after the St. John's Edge take on the Moncton Magic. Until next time, this has been Magic Time, brought to you by our good friends at St. Louis Bar and Grill, Moncton Andy Epp. Visit them on Facebook. And if you're in the area, drop in because you know what? Their food really is fantastic. Take care, my friends. And remember, if you can't take part in sport, be a good one anyway. Bye for now. Prepare.